0: Rule 6. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. He starts off this chapter by addressing some of the mass murders that have happened in recent years. He mentions the Sandy Hook school shooter, the Colorado theater shooter, and the infamous Columbine school shooters. They all had a problem with reality. He quotes here the writing of the Columbine school shooters. He wrote, The human race isn't worth fighting for, only worth killing. Give the earth back to the animals. They deserve it infinitely more than we do. Nothing means anything anymore. If you recall your history, the Nazis came up with a final solution to the Jewish problem. Kill them all. Well, in case you haven't figured it out, I say kill mankind. No one should survive. In this perception of the world, the shooters made them judge, jury, and executioner and deemed existence evil and unworthy. They chose to cause suffering for the sake of suffering itself, to hell with everything. In the play Faust, a tragedy by the genius German playwright Wolfgang von Goethe, the main character, Heinrich Faust, trades his soul to the devil Mephistopheles in exchange for whatever he desires while he is alive. The devil Mephistopheles' defining belief can be summed up in the following lines of the play, I am the spirit who negates, and rightly so, for all that comes to be deserves to perish wretchedly it were better nothing would begin. Thus, everything that your terms sin, destruction, evil, represent that is my proper element. Now, this evil theory sounds very similar to that of the Columbine shooters. Most people have felt as if the world was evil at one point or another, and that it was beyond saving. For after all, life is very hard, and we all go through pain and suffering, but very few of us act out on this thought such as the mass murderers have. To an extent, we do create a lot of our own suffering, and if we were to change, no doubt the suffering would be lessened, but we will never be rid of it completely. People die. Disasters happen. We are betrayed by people. Who then is to blame? How could we not question the meaning behind it all? Even the great Russian author Leo Tolstoy questioned the value of human existence, which can be seen in his following writings. My position was terrible. I knew that I could find nothing in the way of rational knowledge except a denial of life. According to rational knowledge, it followed that life is evil and people know it. They do not have to live, yet they have lived, and they do live, just as I myself had lived, even though I had known for a long time that life is meaningless and evil. Now this type of worldview is what leads to suicide and murder. As of June 2016, there were 1,000 mass killings in the United States in 1,260 days. Tolstoy understood how the psyche could develop for this to happen more than a hundred years ago, as did the biblical authors reflected in the story of Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel not because Abel was bad, but because he was good and ideal. Cain's act of murder was done to spite God and his creation, to venge himself for existing in a reality he deemed unworthy. He draws a parallel here between Cain's murder of Abel and the notorious serial killer Carl Panzram. As a juvenile delinquent, he was raped and brutalized while in the care of the state in juvie. He emerged full of hate towards his tormentors. This hate grew and grew until it encompassed all of mankind. Just as Cain murdered his brother to spite the Creator, Panzram became a burglar, arsonist, rapist, and serial killer, unleashing his rage on all mankind. Given what happened to him, it is easy to see how he developed this mind state. Panzram could not let go of what happened to him and chose to perpetuate his suffering. It's hard to see how anyone could let go of something so terrible, but they do, all the time. He cites examples of people in his clinical practice that experienced similar trauma and slipped into the same mindset as Cain and Panzram. They developed serious drug addictions as a way to cope, but rather than crossing the line into real evils such as the mass murderers did, they instead chose for the suffering to end with them. They gave up the booze and drugs, started to give back to the community, and eventually even let go of all the resentment that was built up over the years. Another example he uses is the child who grows up in an abusive home that goes on one day to start a family of their own, and rather than perpetuate the injustice done to them, They instead choose to never subject their children to that kind of treatment. The famous German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said, "...distress, whether psychic, physical, or intellectual, need not at all produce nihilism, that is, the radical rejection of value, meaning, and desirability. Such distress always permits a variety of interpretations." This means we have a choice. When we experience evil, we can either perpetuate it or learn from it and avoid spreading it at all costs. In the American writer T.S. Eliot's play, The Cocktail Party, a character is having a rough time and says to a psychiatrist that she hopes all of her suffering is her own fault. The psychiatrist is surprised at first But she goes on to explain, for if it's all her fault, then maybe she can change. If it's God or reality's fault, then she is doomed. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian author, led a life filled with tragedy. He experienced the horrors of war with the Nazis and was rewarded for his service by being thrown into the gulag by the Communist Party. He lost many years of his life, watched friends and family die, and even ended up with cancer. He could have easily blamed the world for his misfortune. But instead, he took inventory of his life and saw where he was at fault. After all, he was part of the Communist Party that imprisoned him. His soul-searching led to the writing of the Gulag Archipelago, which among other things helped bring down the Soviet Union, making the world a better place. When we stop questioning God or reality, and instead focus on our own actions and how they fit into the bigger picture, we can often make tremendous progress in our lives. However, as we are lifted up and begin to garner success as a result of this soul-searching, it is very easy to become arrogant and prideful. We can become obsessed with power and growing our own success, and when things don't go our way, we can quickly slip back into the old mind state of questioning reality. The Old Testament of the Bible encompasses this cycle perfectly. Every time the Hebrew people establish themselves, they forget where they came from and start complaining about God. God in turn is forced to humble them so that they might learn to trust in him rather than to question him. When Moses led the people out of Egypt, the trip across the desert should have taken weeks. Instead, every time they blamed God for their misfortune, he extended their time in the wilderness. It took them 40 years to stop blaming and learn to take accountability for their own actions and lack of faith. This same cycle happens today. We build homes to live in, states and countries. We abstract the principles on which these things are built. Things like freedom, faith, honor, and love. These principles form a foundation for our beliefs. As things get better and better, we become complacent, start to take things for granted, and fail to pay attention. This is how corruption can sneak in under the radar. When this happens, we become unprepared for when disaster strikes. This disaster could be metaphorical or it could be an actual disaster. Hurricane Katrina almost wiped New Orleans off the face of the map. Was this an act of an angry, cruel God? Does this terrible natural disaster sum up what it's like to live in a terrible reality? Or was the real evil the lack of preparation by the city leaders? The city was mandated to make improvements to the levees in 1965. The work was supposed to be done by 1978. Forty years later, when Katrina hit, it was only 60% done. If we scale this down to our lives... We have to ask ourselves, how much of our suffering is due to the same lack of preparation? Take stock of your life. Are you making progress towards your goals? Or is bitterness and resentment holding you back? Are you doing something you shouldn't that is making your life worse? If you are, then stop. Stop today. Don't waste time. Willingness can only be practiced in the present. As you stop doing these negative things, your head will clear up and life will get much better. You will see things more clearly and be able to notice even more subtle things that you shouldn't be doing. Sustain this for a while and you'll be amazed at how much different life will look. You may even find strength within you that you didn't know was there strength to handle life on life's terms and to let go of the tragedies of the past the strength to add to the good in the world rather than perpetuate the evil the more people who do this the less evil exists in the world making the world a better place if you want to fix the world then start by fixing yourself or in other words Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world.